right? The way maker, Christ. But when we take our own path, we like to ignore the death part. And so when I look at the world today, the world keeps mapping this out. They've mapped out the hero story. A guy named Joseph Campbell did it. Calls it the hero story, the hero archetype. As an English teacher, I've read some of his work and I go, oh, that's right. Just like last week Rob talked about going to see Avengers and seeing the archetype of Christ. They've figured it out. The world's figured it out. But they say they want to discredit God and say that's not real. We can create our own archetype, our own story based on ourselves and us becoming the hero. We already have a hero. So, as we sit there and we talk about adventure, some of you already are going, well, that's nice to hear about adventure. That's a good idea. But I'm too old for adventure now. Or I'm too young for adventure now. Or that's really scary. God has called us to a great adventure, and that adventure changes all the time. No matter what age we're at. Because in the adventure, it takes us to places we will never, never, never be without his presence. One of, a, one of these great stories, again, as an English teacher, is the Puritan John Bunyan, The Pilgrim's Progress. If you have not read that, as an English teacher, I'm telling you, you should probably go read it. It's a good story. Okay? I'm going to always tell you, go read a good story. This is a good story. It's a great story great story. The author dreams about a man named Christian who struggles with his spirituality. He visited the evangelists. He's visited by the evangelist, a spiritual guide, who orders him to go to the celestial city, Mount Zion. He's asking him to take the path. Right? God's path. He stumbles along the way. He makes a lot of mistakes. There's a lot going on in this story. But I want you to know that that adventure story is available for you today. And that's what we're talking about. As I begin to set this up, I can't help but think about some of the things about our world today. Our world likes to look at things, what we call the postmodern society, right? The world visualizes a world built on power structures through political institutions. This path tells us this is how we do this. We've written it. We've figured it out. We trust institutions here at the church. You put your money in the bank. That's an institution. We trust that they will pay it. Now, here's the problem. Trusting worldly institutions. Have some of those institutions failed us? We're starting to not trust them anymore. Because the world manipulates God's message. So we take it back to this story of the archetype, right? If you're not reading this, the world can come and say, hey, the Bible says this. Young people... You might even say, 
I don't know, maybe it does. We have to be in the word because the world is reading this and manipulating this and saying all kinds of things that it, there's parts that you can take out of it because it's man, it's infallible, right? It's not infallible. I, I'm just gonna start with like one verse because this, this thing I could quote verse after verse, but I want you to see what the world is doing today and go, hey, it was doing it back then. And this is just the start, but it's Romans 1, 21 through like 23. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. I tell you this because the world's path is calling you, it's calling your children, it's calling everybody, and it's full of lies. And it wants to look like the gospel. We go see movies every day that look like the gospel. We heard about it, right? Iron Man is not Jesus. And never will be. The church has been so influenced by this culture that it's allowed itself to take on different things. We've heard about the prosperity gospel. We hear about all these things. The prosperity gospel is say, hey, listen, we need to be blessed by the world. That's this story being told. You're looking for blessings from the world. Now we've started to turn away from prosperity. But now I'm seeing something else. It's called the psychological gospel. I'm just making that up. But it's the gospel that says, hey, we're all messed up. We need some emotional healing every day. We need some emotions. God did, Christ didn't come here just to help us. He came to save us. That's the gospel. He came to save us. So when I look at the young people in the world and it's full of lies, I see that they're lost and confused. They're being told that they're, they can make up their own truth. As a teacher, I see it every day. That's my truth. So institutions like, or the church or God, they have all these rules, right? And they're against your truth. What's funny for me with that lie is look at them today. I can't even keep up with all of the woke rules as they tear each other apart with it. Now, I'm not against rules. Believe me, we need rules. As a teacher, I'm going to tell you, if your classroom does not have room rules, it is in utter chaos. It's unsafe for learning. It's unsafe for a lot of things. So God, there's a reason God gave us 10 commandments. There's safety in it. Okay? But I want you to understand that the world is screaming at you 
to take this path. Whether you're an adult, whether you're doing anything, but there's a greater adventure before you, and that's through Jesus Christ. And again, when I say, for those of you that feel like you might be too old to change things, I'm standing before you. I'm 46. I never pictured being in front of people like this. I really, as a youth I did, but not today. I think of Abraham. He was 70 years old when he left Ur to go to Haran. And so what happened was, is I've told this story a little bit before, but God's always been calling me, hey, Steve, Hey, Steve, that Holy Spirit working. Hey, Steve, so when this church, my kids came to this church, basically because of the school. They were doing homeschooling here. And I said, oh, we're going to end up there because I could hear God's voice saying, hey, Steve, hey, Steve. And I'm running because I like to run. (laughs) I like to have a lot of different reasons. But then I came here. And after having discussions with Rob and stuff, there was this time where he said, hey, there's this pastoral conference I want you to go to at OBU. And I kind of laughed it off, and I was like, ugh. So I asked my wife, hey, you think I should go? Yeah, you should go. Because I already heard God say I should go, but you always check with your wife. Try to take you back to that Garden of Eden scene, this woman you gave me. I, 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 I tried that several times. I tried that several times with God. It never really worked out. But, so, it's almost time to go, and God goes, hey, then Rob calls me and says, hey, I'm not going Friday night, but you can still go. No one's going. Just me? What? So I went. There was struggle to even go, because I had a headlight out, I had to fix it, it was chaos, and everything was going crazy, because I'm on that crazy ride, the adventure, right? But I said Yes. And I went to OBU and it was weird because I'm sitting there and this guy's going, I'm sitting at a table, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd of a community group. Pastor wanted me to come. You know. And then we sat down to eat dinner and I remember this older gentleman sitting next to me goes, hey, what are you really doing here? I said, oh, that's funny, God, just like you. That's a good one, God. That's great. So I told him, I said, hey, listen, I'm thinking about maybe going into pastoring and things like that. And hey, but I'm 46, getting a little old for this, to change my life and do things like that. And he goes, well, I was 43 to 44 when I came into pastoring and I'm pastoring now. See, God has plans. His presence is always going to be with you. So as I get back and I'm talking about things like this, that it's terrifying to be up here a little bit. There's some comfortability almost. It's kind of a weird, but it's like riding a roller coaster. And I, and I know Sunday nights I always talk to them and I get animated and stuff like that because that's just my personality. I get, But I said it's a roller coaster. I hate roller coasters. If anybody, my wife really knows. I hate roller coasters, I, but I ride them for my son because it's fun times. But I hate roller coasters. But this adventure, sometimes the adventure is like a roller coaster. 
And I'm asking you all to get on that roller coaster ride and sit there and go, what am I doing on here? Why did I say yes to God? This thing is going to kill me. It's going to fall off the tracks. We're going to feel that a little bit. There's going to be bumps and bruises on this ride. There's going to be terrifying moments where you go, how did this happen? What am I doing here in front of these people, Lord? And so that takes us to the Psalms. Because David understood the adventure. If you want to stand with me, I'm going to read Psalm 16 to you as we read God's word. I know that was a long introductory introduction, and I apologize. I'm a talker. I'm a talker. 16 verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out. Or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me. The pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And in the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shoal, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make me known, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are the pleasures forevermore. You may be seated. The word of the Lord. The first thing that I read in a commentary about this was that there's a title here that some Bibles might have and some Bibles might not have. But it's called a Mechtam of David. And so they talk about Mechtam meaning some translated as gold, the path of gold. But some say, well, it's more than gold. The presence of God is more than gold. It's more precious. And so this is what David is running to here at the beginning. When he says, preserve me, O God, for you I take refuge. So the first point today is the path of God leads to his presence. The path of God leads to his presence. It leads to safety in his presence. Because apart from him, we are nothing. As it says here, I have no good apart from you. He is our goodness. He is our righteousness. I can't help but think about my kids when they're scared at night. Or when I was a kid 
and I was scared at night. There was nothing better. Nothing got rid of the monsters at night than mom or dad coming and sleeping in the room. You were out like a light, and then they went back to doing what they were doing. This terrible path, this path has bumps and bruises. It's terrifying with Christ, but you have the presence of the Lord with you. We take refuge in him. There's another part here that our church likes to talk about a lot. It's called life on life. If you're not part of a community group, I'm going to sell it a little bit that we need community. Because in verse 3 it says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. There's a part of me that was frightened when I first came up here, to be honest. But looking out here, I'm delighted in you. Are we delighted in each other? This is the body. It's pure joy. We're all sinners. There's no problem with that. Like, I'm a sinner. But I delight in you. And I pray that you will choose life on life because as we delight in each other, the presence of God appears. It's built in God's DNA when he says they will know you for your love for each other. God wants us to love each other. I'm going to skip verse 4 real quick and go to 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now, commentaries will talk about how David was talking to Israel and their portions of the Holy Land. Right? Milk and honey. Everyone got their peace. I want to let you know that This is really talking about your portion that is Jesus Christ. Your inheritance in the presence of God. There's another path that leads to his presence. That's through life on life, missions, right? We can, his word, everything leads to the presence of God. Now the point two, I want to take us back to verse four because I think it's important that the world's path leads to death. We need to be reminded of this. That it leads to death. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. God's presence gone on this path. And he lets you go. The world does ask us to make sacrifices 
This Old Testament, it's talking about actual blood sacrifices, but we sacrifice every day. I do. I pay subscriptions instead of so I can watch a TV show instead of maybe reading this and spending time with God. I'm not saying that that's bad by itself. But when I do not spend time with God, I am sacrificing things. We do this through financial. We do it through political means. We want to be blessed by the world because the world keeps telling us, don't you want that nice car, that house? Don't, want, don't you want your children to be educated the way we educate? Don't you want your kids this? It's selling us something. And we sell ourselves all the time. In verse 10 it says, you will not abandon my soul to Shoal. One of the things that I learned in this commentary, Shoal doesn't necessarily mean death, death of the body. Because for the Jewish culture, everyone died, it didn't matter. There wasn't the resurrection, there wasn't the new covenant. Shoal was a lack of the presence of God. See, they had the temple, the presence of God. He was supposed to hang out at the temple. They could go see him. That's terrifying to me. That path that says no presence of God. My point three is the gospel adventure leads us to our reward, which is in Jesus Christ. And the presence of God. It leads us back into what Rob says, the garden, right? But that takes us to initiate ourselves. To have intentions to follow God. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Before the next Netflix television show. Because I'm tempted all the time too. I'm not going to lie. I like watching TV. I like watching movies. But how many times do I set that before him? Because he is my right hand. He shall not be shaken. I'm shaken to death. He's not going to be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh and my also dwells secure. One of the best moments of Champs Camp is watching the Waymaker come down. I wanted to cry because the presence of God is real. And he takes your burdens. It's amazing. And if you have not experienced that, you're missing something. For he will not abandon my soul to show or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known the path of life through his word. A lot of people don't get this in the world today. Ask the Baileys, right? They'll tell you places that have no access to the word of God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. 
God's presence is our reward. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Somebody else quoted, I think it's verses 9 through 11. It's called Paul in Acts 2. Starting at like verse 26. I'm not going to read it again because we just read it. He literally quotes this. Because God is our inheritance. God's presence is here with us. I'm going to go back to a little bit of myself here. We always come up with excuses, right? Why not today? I'm good at excuses. God, I'm too old. God, I messed up too many times. How could you still be calling me? What's amazing is that in my desert, what I called my desert place, God still gave me a godly woman. That every time I tried to go and say this woman, he responded through her saying no. This has always been me. As I read John Bunyan a little bit, he wrote a whole book on this verse. For those of you that are afraid, I want to read a little bit before we move forward. Just in conclusion... This is really good. If you haven't read it lately, start reading it. John 37, all that the Father gives will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. John Bunyan wrote a whole thing on this. So, like, I'm reading, I read a lot because an English teacher, that's what we do, right? Um, But... I'm going to read a little bit of what John Bunyan wrote in, in, his, uh, in his book about this. But I'm going to read it with a lot of gusto um, or charisma just so that you get the picture. He uses some language. I hope you just understand that just is saying God's not going to cast you out. Okay. But we come up with excuses on why we don't come to Christ. Why we don't do missions. Why we don't disciple, why we don't do life on life or be a part of community groups because we have a lot of things on our plate. Lord, I got work. I got, I got a lot of things. So I want to share with you what this says. But I'm a great sinner, say you. I will no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I'm an old sinner, say you. I will no wise cast you out, says Christ. I'm a hard-hearted sinner, say you. I will no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I'm a backsliding sinner, say you. I will no wise cast you out. I have served Satan all my days, say you. I will no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I've sinned against light, say you. 
I will no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I have sinned against mercy, say you. I will no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I have no good things to bring with me, say you. I will no wise cast you out. No, wait. As I cautiously approach Christ, you don't understand I've really messed up in all kinds of ways. His response is, I know. You know most of it, sure, certainly. More than others see. But there's perverse, perversity down in my heart, down inside me that is hidden from everyone. I know it all. Well, the thing is, it's just my past. It's part of my presence, too. I understand. But I don't know if I can break free of this anytime soon. That's the only kind of person I'm here to help. The burden is heavy and heavier all the time. Then let me carry it. It's too much to bear. Not for me. You don't get it. My offenses aren't directed towards others. It's against you. Then I am the most suited to forgive them. But, but the more of the ugliness in me you discover, the sooner you'll get fed up with me. Whomever comes to me, I will never cast out. The world has a couple paths. The presence of God that will never cast you out is ready for you to join the adventure. He's calling you to an adventure. No matter how terrifying or crazy that adventure may be. The altar of God, people come up to pray. We always do altar calls. And I don't know what happened and when it happened. But somehow we feel like the altar is unsafe. I'm telling you right now, the presence of God is never unsafe. This is the safest place for you to pray today if you are struggling with something you're struggling with what adventure he wants you to take, if you have a family member that's sick, if you have somebody in the church that you struggle with and you don't get along and there's a break in the relationship, nowhere better than in the presence of God can you find healing and restore broken relationships. I'm not trying to coax you into coming to the altar. I'm just telling you the altar and the presence of God is the safest place for you to ever be. It's safer than your home. It's safer than anywhere. 
So as you feel, or as you feel called, you can come and pray. If you see someone praying by themselves, hey, you can come up and pray with them. Because the presence of God and community and life on life bring us all closer to him. We're going to sing a little bit. And if you want to come and pray, you can do so. Kind of threw a curveball.